Welcome to All Around Spurgeon. My name is Matthew Perry. I serve as the lead pastor of Arapaho Road Baptist Church in Centennial, Colorado. And if you happen to be in the area on a Lord's Day, I hope you'll come by and visit us because when you come, you will see a people that are connected to the truth and hope that's found in Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why I love Charles Spurgeon so much is because his entire ministry was geared around helping people to understand more and more about who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, every so often, because I'm in seminary circles uh, quite a bit, at least I, I used to be, and I'm still around uh, a number of seminarians as well. And every so often on social media and such, I see some of our young seminarians, or maybe not so young seminarians, who don't really look upon Spurgeon as a theologian. And I would say that if their definition of Spurgeon as a theologian, if their definition is that he was not um, a great analyzer of texts or you know things along that line, um, I'd say that they were right. He was not a full-time um, theologian in the academic sense. But there's a couple of things that I want to just um, remind everyone of when it comes to theology, is that we're all theologians. That does not take away from the fact that we should be digging deep into a lot of these matters. And especially if we're preachers of the word and teachers of the word, we must be digging into these matters. However, we have to also realize that theology is not just for the academics. And theology is not simply an analysis of things. But we want to help people become theologians in that. We want to help them to understand more about the glories and the doctrines of God. And so and I believe that's where, it's where Spurgeon can come in. Now, I, I just returned from Together for the Gospel. Uh, it, was the last, um, it was the last conference of that. And it took place a couple of weeks ago, I guess, by now. John Piper who was up there talking about his 50-year ministry, at first was in the seminary realm. He was in the seminary environment. And when God called him to be a pastor, one of the things that you see with Piper was that he said that God told him that I will not be analyzed. I will not just be analyzed. And that's why he wanted to go and to help other people to see the glories of God through the word of God. And he wanted to be that man of God preaching that to the church of God. So when we look at Spurgeon, Spurgeon is a theologian, but Spurgeon does it in such a way that it does not seem like it's maybe all that deep in, in certain regards. And I think um, the way people think about Spurgeon now is the same way that they thought about him then. There was a... Um, People then looked down upon Spurgeon, especially those who were in the academic realm and in these high churches that uh, loved the oratorical flourishes where there may have been a great style to it, but there may not have been a, a substance to it. And because of that, the way people think about Spurgeon now are the same way that really people thought about Spurgeon then. And we have to remember some things is that Spurgeon came from a rural area. And so he would use pictures from the rural area or from everyday understanding so that the commoner would be able to understand it, not just the academics. And if you're in academia, I would just really encourage you to use that academic 
understanding that you've acquired to be able to help others to know more about these things that you're studying and to be able to know, know it more in a way where they are able to understand it and to be able to take it and to move forward. If we start getting at it too high and over their heads, then they're not going to be able to believe that this is something that's for them. J.D. Hall, a long time ago, was a biographer of Spurgeon, one of the many, 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 many biographers of Spurgeon. And this is what he had to say about how people began to think about Spurgeon. He said, the Church of England, I mean the state church, well nigh overshadowed everything. Nonconformity lacked a great leader. There were but a few great preachers when Spurgeon appeared, but his pure Anglo-Saxon words, his terse idioms, his apt illustrations, his marvelous voice, his vein of humor, his common sense, his broad liberalism in politics, for Spurgeon was the great commoner in England. All these helped him. He was the great commoner in England. And that's where Hall recalled how Spurgeon's style of preaching, again, differed from the slick and scripted oratory coming from the pulpits of the other churches, and especially of the Anglican churches. We have to be careful. And be, when we begin to talk about Spurgeon as a theologian, he took the great doctrines of God and made them understandable for the people, which is why Helmut Tielke, which in a previous podcast, I, I brought about a quote where he said, you know, sell all that you have and buy Spurgeon. Why? Because Spurgeon made theology understandable. Um, so we have to be careful when we're thinking about Spurgeon. We have to be really, really careful that we are not making the same mistake that some of those did back in Spurgeon's own time where they dismissed him because he talked in a way that was too common. If you read his works, you will realize that you will be able to understand more theology because of these illustrations and idioms that he uses than you would say somebody who is talking in such high technical, um, in, in, in these technical idioms, and you won't be able to understand them. And don't we want God's word and God's doctrines in his word to be understood? Before I close, I want to recommend to you a couple of books uh, that deal with Spurgeon. One is The Child is the Father of the Man by Tom Nettles. And I really just commend this to you. I'll read what it says on the back. This is a tremendous book that Nettles has provided. Tom Nettles examines the life of one of the world's most famous preachers. He isolates key convictions that appear in Spurgeon's life either before or immediately after his conversion, and traces them through his life as Spurgeon develops into the charming, interesting, confident, humble, spiritual-minded man and pastor whose work and witness dominated evangelicalism in the second half of the 19th century. I commend this book to you greatly. And I also, this is uh, one that was just released. This is a, about the shillings, the shilling, one shilling, the shilling series. And so he would uh, put out little pamphlets for a shilling a piece, but they are so rich. Again, I want to read this on the back. These, the Spurgeon's, Spurgeon's The Shilling Series was originally published over a four-year period between 1877 and 1881 in London. The series consisted of seven small works that each sold for the same price, um, a shilling. And then you see book one, Christ's Glorious Achievements. Book two, Seven Wonders of Grace. Book three, The Spare Half Hour. Book four, The Mourner's Comforter. 
and book five, the Bible and the newspaper, uh, book six, eccentric preachers, and seven, be of good cheer. These are absolute gold that I hope that you will take time to read through. So every time I have a podcast like this, I'm going to try and recommend a, a book to you along this way. But again, getting back to Spurgeon. Yeah. So he put the groceries on the bottom shelf. That does not mean that he was any less of a theologian than anybody else that may be in this academic type of sense. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you uh, hear what I'm saying or if there's something that I'm missing about Spurgeon, because that's what we're all about here at All Around Spurgeon is, uh, is that we want to get all about Spurgeon and understand him as deeply as we possibly can. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. I look forward to seeing you our next time together. Bye-bye.